we stand, we stand, we stand, we stand. Of which something, something funny happened today. I went to the store to, uh, mm-hmm. going to Nostrum to get some things. My brother coming up and all that. As I just heard, pre, this clear that I'm currently wearing. Yes. The, you know those zippers that are kind of invisible? Oh, oh no, man. That's how in the middle of the store, my zip just those gave zip, way. They can, <laughs> those particular invisible zippers, they can actually Girl. embarrass your ancestors. Girl. <laughs> I look around, I'm like, tick, tolerate, tick. I quickly grabbed one of the jackets from the uh, hangers, wore it, and then when I oh, got to the um, footage room, back. I just I just said, sometimes when it breaks, it breaks. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. It's free. I know, it's but moves, it's right? just the weirdest thing because it's, yeah. it's, I mean, super free, super free. I don't know. I think it was just bending down, trying yeah. to, like, you know, you know how stores come in. But anyways, good to see you. Good to see you. All right. Let's get started. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And. I have my box of tissues there because I just feel like the tears are gonna roll. The tears are gonna roll. I know. And I've been wanting to bring you on for the longest time, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm just glad that this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay that we're starting like right. this. You know, it's just what it is, and I know God doesn't make any mistakes. So, yeah, for those that are just joining us for the first time, welcome, and to our returning listeners, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a sister and a friend. She's a strong advocate. She's someone that. We don't talk all the time, but when we do talk, there's always quality there. She's always, she's a strong connector. This lady knows anyone who knows anybody. Hey, my goodness. Um, I was in Nigeria 2020, before the pandemic, you know, it was January 2020. I just had a surgery. This lady sent someone to come and bring me food. Hey, I was like, how did she even? She's just that kind of person. She's very caring. She's very thoughtful in a, in a very romantic way. So... Without giving much away, everyone, please join me. Welcome, my wonderful sister. They may talk while beyond to the podcast. Hey, she's a big person. You know? She's a big woman, and I'm just so honored like that she's she's here today on a Sunday. So thank you, thank sure. you. For those I don't know, you talk wow. please, could you just see me just grinning with a big smile here. Mo, you can make somebody's head swell. Ah, you deserve it now. <laughs> yeah. ah, thank you. You thank are deserving you. of it. You know, more. first of all, just in response to the amazing, pleasant, lovely introduction is the fact that it was something that I eventually came to accept that it is what it is. There's just, there's just something about your life that is yeah. unique in terms of what God has called you to do, right? That purpose and a lot of times we struggle mm. with identifying that call. Permit me to use the word call or that selection mm-hmm. or, you know, that identity that God oh, no. has given to you. Yeah. I struggled with, mm. I, you know, accepting that this is who I am, a carer, um, somebody who looks after others for a very long time. And I, I fought it in recent years in terms of, hey, why am I always looking after Mm. people? And you seldom have others look after you is what the challenge was for me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm always the one looking after people, calling this one, calling that one. And I fought it. 
in the middle yeah. of fighting it was yeah. coming to that realization that girl you can only fight so hard this is where you find your happiness this is where you find your purpose this yeah. is where you find your joy and i yeah. realized that when i stopped and i deliberately stopped doing what i was supposed to do i was frustrated <laughs> i had to go back to that place of hey i didn't create myself the one who created me created me for a purpose well i am temitope abiono um i live in minneapolis minnesota with my amazing husband mm-hmm. um my nine to five i am a salesforce consultant i help um companies or businesses solve problems around their salesforce org or just helping them use salesforce more efficiently um beyond that i am i'm a child of god <laughs> She I, bakes excellently. She's a strong connector. Ah, that boy knows. That boy knows who knows. Who knows. She knows somebody who Nigeria. knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, other things. Yeah. I, I make stuff with my hands. I always, I always make fun about it, but I also realize that that's yeah. not that's not a given for everybody. Between my husband and I, I'm the one that will raise the hammer or the. It's not. I cannot even do half of this to do. <laughs> I can't bake to kill my to save my life. You know, I cannot. I can cook anything, but baking, forget about it. And you're I very know, good at it. I, you know? I've ordered your cake all the way from Minnesota to Ohio. Thank you. No, I'm sorry. I think quiet, I'm so I know. Yeah, yeah, I said yeah, I could yeah. change my tires myself. Yeah. And I was like, you could change your wheel or you could change your tires. I'm like, yeah, I could change my tires. I think I was like, oh my god, I no, can't do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 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 I learned that in driving school, and they were very empathic about that. Yeah, you my need dad, to learn how to change your time. Oh, yeah, I'm up back. for a challenge, and yeah, I've done it before. Let's let's um, how did you grow up? Let's start with that. Like you know, um, how many kids in your family, and just maybe tell us a short, um, give us a Amazing. brief overview of your childhood ah, growing up, what it was like. When last did anybody take me there? Well, <laughs> I'm the second of five children. <laughs> um, second second born second daughter i have three sisters and two brothers i i was born in lagos nigeria um but i think at age 5 or so my my mom got a job in nasarawa that's on the northern part of nigeria and we had to move you know everybody had to move Everybody? Yes, yes, yes. She went, um, wow. scouted the land, everything got situated. She was working with the federal government at the time, and we moved. And that was how I became a northerner. Before I left Nigeria, I always told people that I lived more than half of my years in the north than I lived in the south, and I loved it there. And that's why it sort of aches me when I see the things that are going on wow. in Nigeria and the north is like almost a no go zone yeah. the northern part of nigeria is like almost a no go zone or a place that is identified mm. with insecurity and a lot of bad things going on there it really aches my heart because i grew up there i i yeah. lived in nasarawa i lived in jos mm. i went to school in federal government girls college portiscum in yobe state in like 
next to Borno State, where a lot of crazy things is happening, right? And it was lovely. It was beautiful. And so um, at some point, my my dad, right now, my parents are pastors, ordained pastors. Um, they were parents when I was born, right? <laughs> And I remember, I remember <laughs> when we we had to start the church in the living room of my parents, and that's how I became a pastor's child. Uh, <laughs> overnight, I became overnight. a pastor's child. Um, again, like I said, I schooled at some point in Nasharawa, moved to um, Joss to finish my primary school because you know, of the education quality at the time, and then moved to um, Potter's School for my six years in um, high school, aka secondary school, like we call it. And then I went back to Joss because I loved, the thing was, I loved the knots. And even when my parents moved back to Lagos, we were in, I think my sister and I were ending our junior secondary school, when my parents, both of them moved back to Lagos, their pastoral work moved them um, to Lagos. But, you know, again, we stayed there. They had wanted to move us to Federal Government Girls College in Shagamu. One, my, in fact, my mom had picked our uniforms and all of that, but something just didn't click and we, we didn't move. Um, so we stayed there. So once I finished secondary school, came to the South, I had an interest in fashion design, dressmaking, and all of that. And I really wanted to dive into it. But my mom would say to me, um, I don't know who did not go to higher education that you're copying, no. You have to go to the university and all of that. In hindsight, I wish she let me dive into it at the time. It, I mean, I, I, I believe it, and I've made a lot of difference. But hey, um, so... When I was making my choices of university, I was still drawn to the north. Well, I went to um, Polytechnic. I went to Ramat Polytechnic in Medugri. Boy, I did not like that place. Number one, it was too hot. I remember crying the first night I got to Medugri. It was hot, like steaming hot. We had to sleep on uh-huh. the veranda outside. And, in, and it was not because there wasn't electricity. There was power, ah. but it was too hot for anything to help your situation. Um, mm. And then secondly, I didn't go to that far to go to a polytechnic. It was just that the admission I was looking for in University of Medjugorje did not happen. And so I stayed for about a year oh. and it just didn't work. So I went back and I had to like, Man, let's go back to the drawing board. Um, as an independent soul, I I often find things for myself. So in my search, I found out that you know there was something I could be doing in between, and that was how I got into um, computer science and went to Joss. Um, the Equa Church had this um, computer school that was a little bit different from the type of computer schools you were seeing in Lagos. It was really well-structured and all of that. Yeah. So I moved and went to Joss for this. And from there, went to university. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of like how I grew up. And now, my the, the influence of the northern part of Nigeria 
in my life is that I prefer and I love Hausa food or Northern food than I do Yoruba food. So don't 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 try. I do speak Hausa a lot. Do you speak Hausa at all? Yes. Yes. I don't yes. know that about you. I'm just learning that about you. Wow. Wow, wow. Very amazing. I mean, I did not know that about you, but <laughs> interesting, interesting. Sure. So let's, let's, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, especially just your formative years. And to kind of help us segue into the next part mm-hmm. of our conversation, I think it's been nice to kind of talk about how we met. Yeah. So shout out to Bingwe, Ola Bingwe. I know some of you listening to the show a lot, you know how she's on YouTube, my very dear friend. So, um, Olamide, I'm, I said Olamide. <laughs> Bingwe, there was a time I was going through some health issues with endometriosis and, you know, being the caring friend she was, she was like, you know what, I I don't know what you're going through, but I do know somebody who might be willing to talk to you. If that's okay, let me ask her. And if she's okay with you, she might, you know, reach out. I wasn't going to, I wasn't thinking anything was going to come come out of it because, you know, mm-hmm. how heavy this topic can be. And especially among people like us, like Nigerians and Africans, where we don't like talking about this thing. So I didn't even expect there to be like an affirmative response. But you responded so nicely, and then we got talking, and mm. man, I think that changed my life, you know, because it was practical tips. The one that really stayed with me was the kind of water I had my bath with, which I did think, you know, was going to, she was like, no, you cannot use, you know, too hot water, you know, make sure, you know, it was just tips like that that kind of really helped, you know, slowly, mm. slowly made my life better. And knowing that I wasn't alone, especially the the frequent interaction and interfacing mm-hmm. with healthcare providers who are not culturally competent, who didn't understand what you're going what was going on with you. And given that sometimes women's issues in this country can be quite nebulous, you know, despite the advancement that you see in other areas. All that to say thank you for just being very open and being very helpful. And I think that kind of helped me to also be more open about my own struggles and see how I can help people. So we got to, that's how, you know, myself and Top Women. And I think it's, this will also kind of help into my very first question with you would be, can you just share what, you know, those challenges have been with you, like whatever your liberty is sharing? Because we're here to kind of talk about fertility issues and how that feeds into the projects we're rolling out on the podcast. So I'll just let you say that in your own Whoa. words, however comfortable you are. Um, yes. Um, shout out to Bing Pei. And it's amazing. You know, as you were speaking, I'm like, wait a minute. How did I even get into the conversation with being paid? And then, you know, I, I well, I do remember that, um, you know, Binky and I, I think we had talked and then I was going into surgery and she was aware that I was going into one of the surgeries out of the many. I'm like, which one? <laughs> In fact, which one? Me, I think it was one of the ones that nothing came out of it. I remember, um, you know, how yeah. you go into surgery and, you know, the plan, they will tell you all the plan and everything before they wheel you in and all the plans were laid out. And then you come out of surgery and they're like, sorry, you, and then nothing you couldn't do anything. <laughs> Girl, and it's three thousand dollars actually As for nothing. In, Where's my money back guarantee? Like before they even have you been wielding a wielder before? Have you? 
that's not no, happened on this. They couldn't even do anything. Has that happened to before? It has happened to Exactly. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I, yeah, I was, I was too charged. Just, I was too charged we everything. Do anything. We went in. We couldn't do anything because you were bleeding. No, that you were bleeding a we lot internally. So we couldn't even see. The camera couldn't see very well. Da, 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 da. So we just had to stitch you back. Excuse I'm like, you. And I spent... My own was that we couldn't see anything because it felt like somebody opened... I don't this understand. Was somebody opened you up and threw cement inside. We couldn't see anything. You are worried about no, nicking no, something. No, no. Like, who am I supposed to present myself to? You guys exactly. are like the end of your like, like, I came to the specialist. Somebody <laughs> who is a specialist on this case of endomyositis <laughs> in the first place. And they make yep. you do scans. They make you do MRI exactly. scans before all of it. So you guys knew what exactly the constituent of my internal organs were before we did the surgery. So I, I, I can't for, make it make I, sense. I can't make it make that sense. Wicked, yeah. um, that wicked scan. And what's the name of that one? That one that is ah on the um the um, I had HSG. one before this surgery, Phew. so it wasn't like Isn't you it? went in blind. <laughs> At least you should have seen whatever, whatever, whatever before. Oh my god! Anywho, the blockage. And oh, so, good god. um, good god, good god, let me backtrack. I remember there was one day I don't remember the year, but I was. I was younger. I, I'm not sure what age I was, but it was, I mean, between my late teens and early 20s. And I went to my mom's office. Um, like I said, my mom's a pastor in RCCVG. Um, so she has an office on redemption camp in Nigeria that has, you know, bathrooms and everything and i i think i slept in our office that night because i was having pains and it was my period and everything and i went to the bathroom and as i was showering i remember seeing mighty clots of blood coming out of my body mighty i mean mighty it was so it was so scary that I quickly rinsed myself, got out of the bathroom, ran back to my mom's office to say, this is what is happening. I need a witness to see this thing so that I'm sure that I was not making it up. So my it's mom just, couldn't go yeah. with me. So she yeah. sent somebody to go see what was going on. Like, no. It was so big that it couldn't go through like this. Okay. I understand. I'm sorry. I know. And you're like, how am I still alive? Am I, you know? Okay, first am of I all, what standing? is going on here? After that happened, I didn't... Hey. No, between my late teens like and my like early 16, 20s, I don't remember the year specifically. Um, or my age at the time. So that passed. And I didn't think much about it i just thought it was something happening with my body this period was just different fast forward i got married in 2011 and all of a sudden i started experiencing these horrible pains what's going on here why am i having extreme pains actually before before i got married around 2010 I noticed my period was becoming very painful, which wasn't normal. Um, mm. 
what's going on? Why am I having these pains? Oh, I could go around before while I was on my period. I knew the drill. I knew what day was the most painful and all of that. After day two, you should be relieved and all of that. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, all the five days was painful. Anyways, I would just go with, you know, the period. Up until 2011, 2012 to be precise, my um, I started noticing that the pain was really now excruciating and I would almost pass out. I now started having a lot of nausea around my period. And then there were some occasions where I noticed that it's like I want to pass out, okay? There was one that was so bad. I was alone in the house and I was in the room. I was in so much pain. I couldn't go downstairs myself. I had to call, um, and this was me in Nigeria. I had to call my mom and they sent someone to the house. I threw the key downstairs for them to be able to access to come get me because I was in so much pain. And at the same time, I felt like I was passing out. Got me to the hospital and everything. Okay, all right. Everything looked okay. Did the ultrasound and everything. There was no problem. And all of that. Hmm, okay, this will pass. Then I came to America. (laughs) Everything between that 2012 and 2014... Things looked like, okay, it was easing. Okay, don't eat sugar when it goes to your period. What, what, what? What, yeah, what you're yeah. eating and all of that. And so everything looked like things were improving. Then I got to America in 2014. And um, I, I came in early that year, in February. And somewhere by summer, it looked like all hell was let loose. And I'll be in horrible pain, like excruciating pain. Like I'll be bent over in pain. So at this time, I had read an article about endometriosis. I knew I read that article. I knew it had something to do with very painful period from what that story was. I remember reading it in a, in a newspaper back in Nigeria. Um, so I was aware, but I didn't even know a lot about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this time around, um, first of all was the, oh, okay, we're not getting pregnant scare. Mind you, when we got married, we were like... Um, Oh, should we? Should should, should do you want Wait. to get my? Do you want to get pregnant in Nigeria? I have you been in Nigeria <laughs> before you moved to America, and so between <laughs> between us, we were like, oh, should we? You know, start using contraceptives, but we didn't do that, and so we were like, oh, maybe it's just not happening because we're thinking about it and we're not getting pregnant. Maybe that's why. Yeah, and again, you hear people say, you know, don't worry about it. It's just going to happen. Just try. It will happen when and it so happens. What's exactly. your leg upside down? Then I came to America, and the first few months, I wasn't getting pregnant. <sighs> okay. All right. 
Awesome. Okay, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just enjoy yourself. It will happen. It will happen. And then by summer of that year, things weren't improving. And then I'll be going in and out of the clinic, in and out of the clinic. So my primary physician would send me to OBGYN. And I'll go see them. And, you know, at some point, I I lost the right to my privacy. As in? <laughs> I didn't feel like it belonged to me any longer. They, they've, they've searched everywhere. They can't yes. even map the whole place. Without the Alexa, yes. show me the way. And so I would go there. Oh, Alexa, I'll be talking to you. Oh, my goodness. Alexa, shush. Alexa, shut up. Oh, sorry, Alexa, stop. <laughs> oh, Lord. That was funny. <laughs> Alexa wants to find a way. <laughs> so I would go see these guys and, you know, they do all the probing and everything. Nobody was seeing anything. They were just like, yeah, it's a painful period, blah, 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 blah. At some point, it just dawned on me, girl, you have to be your own advocate. So I went back to my PCP. I'm like, who can you refer me to? I want to be checked for. As a primary care provider, for those that are not familiar with the language. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. PCP means primary care or your primary doctor. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so I, I said to her, I've been going to these people. Can you refer me to somebody who is a specialist? I want to get checked for endometriosis. Oh, um, if, if you had that, they would have known, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I want to get checked for endometriosis. And this was something that I had to repeat over time in my going back to the clinic because I was not getting improved. Now, by this time, they started giving me a lot of pain medications. At some point, I was on like 600 mg of ibuprofen. At some point, I was on combination of um, oxycodone, um, 800 mg ibuprofen, and of course, the regular, oh, take Tylenol as well. So I I had this. Tylenol, that's like, that's like, that's like Is it Tylenol PM plus or just Tylenol, Tylenol 3 or just plain Tylenol? Then there was, there was even even a point that was on this other one, not, not ibuprofen, the other one, similar to ibuprofen. Advil. Advil, yeah. uh... That one was not even working. Like I was quick to know that that wasn't working for me. Uh, um, so, so at this point, it was management, you know, just using all those medications and all of that, which these medications had their interesting side effects. In fact, sometimes when I hear the, the, the effect that oxycodone has had on a lot of people, I always ask how, I wonder how I never got those negative yeah. impacts. Tolerance and then addictive forming. Yeah, exactly. addiction forming. Yeah. yeah, they have a high potential for abuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. long term use, which is you shouldn't, you shouldn't have used it for a long time. Sis, it was my monthly. Have. It was my monthly go to. Yeah, it was my monthly go to. 
I, I, I didn't, it was later on that I, I knew that I was not even supposed to be using it for that long. And nobody told you, nobody told you about that. Like, you know, this, and you just kept filling up your prescriptions. Yep. How long ago was this? This was between 2014 till like when mm. crisis mm. got crazy. Even up until like 2016. Like they now because of, I mean, they, they have like a cut off yes, now. Yes, they just do. No, now I don't, now yeah, I don't it, use yeah, that yeah. again. I'm yeah, only, yeah. you know, so now I still do like 600 MG ibuprofen though. Um, every day? No, not every day. As, period, need, right? as needed, yes. And you drink a lot of water and eat a lot of, um, like, eat before taking it and yes. all that because of ulcer yeah. and kidney the issues. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the pharmacy system coming out. <laughs> I hear yeah. So these people, you know, still the specialists, when I'll go to the OBGYN suite, mm-hmm, they were not coming up with anything. Okay, all right, no problem. Then I became a friend at the ER because... Things will just escalate, and I'll find myself at the ER, and then it will be a matter of okay, well, giving me shots for pain, maybe tramadol or something else for initial relief of the pain. Of course, they would run all the tests, and I was used to hearing, "Oh, all your tests are normal. There's nothing we are seeing here," but I'm in pain. So on this beautiful day. It was an episode of, I had gone to the ER. They saw nothing, right? But the imaging caught something. And Finally. when they eventually got it, in fact, I remember being in the ER that night and they were trying to get an on-call person from OBGYN to come, but they never made it. And then eventually... By the following day, I was at home like earlier in the day, and then you got a call and like you have to come to the clinic right now because you're having ovarian torsion and it's really bad. So torsion is when your ovarian I Thank have that. you, please. And you're still standing. You were still standing. Hey God. Doctor ovarian torsion landed me in at the emergency center and I had to have emergency surgery. That thing is painful. The fact that they had to call you, I don't know, maybe your, your pain threshold at that level was whatever. Anyways, um, so, God. So, ovarian torsion is really when you have a cyst, usually. Torsion is just that your lining is kind of like... Twisted. Um, what's the word? Wrap, twisted, right? And when the, ov- the ovary twists around the ligaments that support it and it's cutting off its blood supply, yeah. this can lead to severe pain mm-hmm. if it's not treated. And it can also lead to damage to your ovary. Yeah. It's a medical emergency. Yeah. Some of the symptoms are, like for me, it was nausea and vomiting, mm. you know, um, pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. Anything you eat is just straighten up. Like I had my friend talk with um, Tammy then. She's a nurse. She came to my room to give me injection for like, you know, spasms. Mm. Like I was on Boscopan. I was on, you know, Felvinin. Nothing. No pain. No pain was, no painkiller was working yeah. on this thing. It was from the pits of hell, mm-hmm. you know. So the treatment is usually you have to go in as a surgery to untwist the ovary, yeah. and they might have to remove any damaged tissue. And in that process, you might lose an ovary. Yep, definitely. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So here was I. They called me. They, they were like, in fact, at this point in time, uh, I, I, 
I, I'm not even, I, I don't think they mentioned that I had ovarian torsion at the time. They just said there was something in my results that they wanted to show me, come to the clinic right away. So we headed, to, thankfully, you know, my husband was around, took me to the clinic. I, I, I can picture everything. And then we got there and they're like, oh, you have, we, from your imaging, we're seeing that you have ovarian torsion. You have to go to surgery immediately. I wanted you to finish saying before I tell you what happened next. You have to go to surgery immediately. How? Why? Of course. Anyways, you're already there and got me ready for surgery right away. And the revelation came. Whilst they were there, that was when they saw endometriosis. But we already told you guys. No, we they knew kept that. saying it was fibroids all the while. So between that, between the genesis of me going to OBGYN, all they kept saying is fibroids, fibroids, fibroids. And so of course, they always say that torsion saved your life because endometriosis is usually best diagnosed through surgery. Yes. And if you didn't get that prioritization to have that surgery, you have keep you have kept just being yes. in pain. Yes. Yes. You had to have a torsion, which could have almost made you lose your ovaries yes. for them to take it seriously. Yes. These are the issues yes. with women, especially black women mm-hmm. in the US. Mm-hmm. This is why they don't, a lot of us just die in silence because they don't just, they don't really understand the language you speak or they just don't believe that when we tell them that we're having pain uh-huh. to this level and they're still walking around, they don't believe it. They think we're bionic people who can withstand pain. Yeah. It's always that myth and misconception that comes to being black in these systems. Mm-hmm. Just saying, mm-hmm. these are our experiences. Yeah. Girl, I don't know if you have seen Below the Belt, the documentary on endometriosis. I can't watch anything like that. It's too close. It, 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 it literally hits below the belt. It does. Yes. I'm not ready for that. It does. It does. <laughs> it, does. Right it does. And when I when I was watching it, I saw myself in everybody telling their story. Because I could relate. I knew, I like I could tell where I was when a piece of what they were saying was happening to them. I could tell my own experiences. Anyway, so yeah. this day, it was February was it February of 2015 or sometimes early in 2015? Anyways, I got this now official diagnosis of endometriosis. What is endometriosis? Where are we going to? What is the next steps and all of that? Okay. Um, at this point in time, nobody was talking about excision. They were only talking about, oh, um, management, management, management. And the management was around... Um, pain medication and then this time we started bringing up Luprons, Depopovera into the mix of things. <laughs> Lupron. And that then, drug. And then <laughs> we now started saying, okay, at this point in time, you can't get pregnant naturally. Um, your options are going to be whatever. Next steps of fertility treatment and um, the ultimate solution to endometriosis is for us to remove, for you to have a full hysterectomy. And at this, but that's also not true, though, because I, we know now that these things can always, these endometriomas can also travel around. Yes, yes, yes. And they kind of activate when you're on your period. So whether they, some people have had it go to their brain, I've, I've I know someone that had that it on their too. kidney. Yeah, I've heard of that. Kidney lungs. I had a friend that was bleeding from her navel, like her, like her, no, the navel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she had to send me a video for me to believe her. Like whenever she was on her period, 
these cells got activated and she was bleeding through her navel. Like there was blood gushing out of it. There was no control with nothing. Yes. I saw the video. If I didn't see her putting me, sending me the video, it wouldn't have made sense. So this surgery and all that, it doesn't kill. Do you know how many surgeries we've had? I know. The scars are always there, you know. And, and, And so at this point in my life, it was a matter of, are you going to follow what they are saying or what are you going to do? Of course, my, my, my independent soul wanted more answers. And so I started moving from one clinic to another, from one specialist to another to sort of find answers, to sort of know what my options were. And so in this journey, one of the lessons that I've learned is, first of all, you do need to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Um, and then you do need to have several opinions in terms mm-hmm. of the way forward when it comes to like treatments, right? And what was right for you. I mean, yeah. and as a person yeah. of faith too, you also had this side of you believing that this thing would go away. God would take this thing away from me. I don't know how it got into my system. And so I believe God that it would go away. So I had strong faith that I was going to be healed and it would go away. And so I started mm. moving from one specialist to the other. It was one of them that I said we had like a surgery and then, you know, there was nothing that came out of it. Before, be- in fact, before that particular surgery, between 2015 and 2019, I had surgery every year. Every oh, year. This is my story. This is your story you're talking about. Mine was between 2012 and 2023. Yeah. <laughs> 2023 was you know not related but it's a complication well anyways yeah yeah it was it was like the final one i'm like this is the final (laughs) one yeah yeah this is my story yeah and i I think there was a year that i had surgery twice in the year um again me too 2016 was that year for me (laughs) snazzy and it reminds me of one one situation that happened i was at work and it was my it, it was the last hour of the night shift. Um, you know how you the impact of this thing is crazy. You know, the, the details are I, I feel like the details are even the easier part to go through. Um, the ones that break me down the most is the impact. So you can in my case, it impacted my work a lot. Because here I am, your period is supposed to be for five days, depending on the kind of cycle that you have and the cycle that you have. And I'm in pain several days before my period starts. All the days that you have period or that the bleeding is flowing. And several days after, I'm in pain. I can't forget having conversations with my PCP, my primary doctor, and it would be like, I need help. Can you write me accommodation? I'm like, sorry, tell me, I can't give you more than three days. There's no employer that will give you this thing that you are looking for. Hello, but I'm in pain. I'm not making it up. You can see me. You know my story. You know how, where we've come from till now. <laughs> well, it is what it is. And I would be taking days off work, days off work, days off work with no pay. Um, so this particular day was the last hour of the shift that was ending at 10 p.m. or so. 
I started feeling the pain. My my the bleeding had not started, but of course, like I said, in usual manner, days before I'm already in pain. And so I get up, go to the bathroom, go to pee, and it was like night turning into day or day turning into night. The person who walked to the bathroom was not the person that came back inside. I, it was like I literally dragged myself from the bathroom back to my desk. And I couldn't get on the phone. I was in a phone center at the time. I couldn't get on the phone to take calls. I did try the first one, and it was horrible. I was in horrible pain on another level entirely. A colleague of mine noticed that something was off. He's like, Tammy, are you okay? I'm like, nope, I am not okay. Um, and I, I always say, when I reference that story, I say that I thank God that I didn't prove to have been a strong woman that day. Because a lot of times, you know, we we, we, we we tend to be strong. We don't want people to feel that we're a burden, even to our spouses, right? We, we don't want to look like a burden. And, and, and especially people like us who have who are independent and, yeah. you know, you just want to do your thing. You don't want anybody to feel like you're leaning on them um, to get by. And so... For some reason, <laughs> I told the guy I wasn't okay. Called the supervisor. By this time, I couldn't even walk again. I remember my supervisor pushing me on my seat into the hallway, called the medics. By the time they came, my blood pressure was off the roof. <laughs> I remember, I think I still have this car somewhere. They were trying to get IV started because my blood pressure was already high. They knew, you know, they were, they were trying to like, okay, get me started for this one. They're going to sleep at the ER today. <laughs> and the guy could just not get through into my vein because at this time, the pain had already... I, I knew that there's a way that my veins do when I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. They just don't respond and all that. So the guy just was like, try, try, try. The was not working. Just left me alone. And of course, to the ER we went. We the ER for the whole night. Imagine in all of these kind of incidents that have just happened. When somebody was almost passing out at work. Mm-hmm. Okay, public embarrassment mm-hmm. to the old department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, that, you, know, you know, you're not dead. You're not finished. Oh, your, oh, your, whatever is normal, though. There's nothing, we are not seeing anything. There's nothing wrong with you. This on that one, you know, follow up with your PCP or follow up with OBGYN. After all the hours that you spend. Hmm. At this time, um, the, that was 2016. So I'll, I'll still go back to the PCP and be, I'll, the OBGYN and be like, oh, this was going on. So by this time, got me on depot. I think I did depot first and then I did loop run at some point. Because guys like there's really nothing we can do for you. These are the things that will help okay. you to be able to get back to work. If you keep having periods, you've been that's it. That's it. But you need periods to have a baby. So it's like <laughs> which one do you want to choose? Do you want your life to, your quality of life to improve yeah. because as you are maximizing your quality of life, we're also reducing your fertility outcomes. Yeah. And nobody always tells that this is like playing a game mm-hmm. of whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. As one is going up, the other one has to go yep. down. Yep. And for me, like like your story just mirrors mine because in addition to endometriosis, there was also ovarian cysts. Mm-hmm. You know, my abdomen just you know retaining fluid all the time from my cycles mm-hmm. and the hormonal and all the issues and all that. 
And then by the time, it was in 2021 for the first time in my life. I got married at 25, 2011. Got married young, you know, started right away. That someone pulled me aside and said, oh, by the way, all the surgeries you've been having to save your life, did anybody tell you that as we're scraping your ovaries to untouch on it and take out the cyst, it was also impacting on your air quality? Say what? <laughs> oh, no one ever told you that? No. No, we're going to get there. No one ever did? Yeah. And so one of the things I'm telling a lot of my friends now, especially those that are in their early 30s, if you can freeze your eggs. Freeze. If you're able to. Freeze, freeze it. Yeah. Because that thing is going to start looking like um, powdered milk after a while. Yep. yep. You know, my last IVF, which was last year, my egg reserve was scraping barrel. For someone of my age, it was like, this, this, this is ridiculously low. And the only reason they could point to that was the surgeries I've had and the manipulations around my ovary. Yep. And so they put you on bed controls, they put you on Lupron, they almost like put your, you know, your lady, your lady parts in a frozen state. Yeah. Because once they freeze all of your hormonal activity, endometriosis might get better. But what happens when you're frozen? You, you can't, you can't make pregnant. babies. So people oh, keep trying. Mm-hmm. Like People don't understand just how... It's not like from the lack of trying. Like All these things you've put your body through, mm. it's a miracle that we're still working yes. today. It's a miracle that you know most of my mental health is still mm-hmm. there. Because if I had to sit down and think about the things I've gone through and the things I've put my body through, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't even have the words to like describe the trying to get your body back after every surgery. Like the resumption of activities. Because I have if I were to be in my body operator, which I'm not gonna do <laughs> you can play, you know, um connect the dots <laughs> on my stomach, like the scars, the puncture wounds from each time the robot goes mm-hmm. in. I even have I even have a line from my just below my breast, up until the very beginning of my mm. vagina, there's a long line, like a C-shaped line. And, you know, it, it, that also impinges on body image, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's what it is. Yeah. But all that to say that we've gone through a lot. The saddest thing is that there's still a lot of myths and misconceptions when it comes to endometriosis, yeah. especially among women of color. Mm-hmm. And... In, in this system that is so advanced, at the point I had to go back to Nigeria to get life-saving treatment. Because mm-hmm. the doctors, they were just, they were just not, they were, they were very conservative yeah. in their approach. Yeah. And every time they would do these little things, it was costing me a lot of money. Yeah. I took a fraction of that money and I went back home and I got the surgery I needed and it kind of helped me. Mm-hmm. Like my life got better since mm-hmm. then. But I know not everybody has this luxury. Yeah. So I've been very open about, if you're able, if you have another home to go to, you know, Go back to where people can understand your body. We can say a lot of things about the Nigerian mm-hmm. healthcare system, mm-hmm. but they know what they've, they know because a lot of our women have those issues. Yeah. So they, it's, a, it's a game of numbers, mm-hmm. you know, and they know our body better. Yeah. It's, it's the same way my Korean friends who travel to Korea mm-hmm. for dental issues mm-hmm. because they prefer the doctors there or Mexicans who go back to Mexico, mm-hmm. the salmon effect. Mm-hmm. Where if you have another home to go to, find it. If you don't have another home to go to, unfortunately, you're stuck in the system, but you know, seek second, third, fourth opinions. Yes. Because if no one, if the doctor is not listening to you, that's not your doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should agree with everything you're saying, but it requires compassion and listening. And I will take that over a doctor that just, you know, wants to feel like they know everything, mm-hmm. but they're not listening to your complaints mm-hmm. or how it's impacting you. Because all these experiments are running on you. Guess what? It's your time and money yes. and your life. Yes. At stake. Yes. 
you know. Yes. Yes. Ah, man. Yeah. We don't. We ah, man. I I, I feel like uh, if I had a wish, it's just to make the average doctor who sees his women to be more culturally competent because there are some things we can't even put into words. Mm-hmm. The things we go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at you bleeding. Mm-hmm. You know, the pain. Mm-hmm. The, the pain. Like, I have friends that whenever they're on their period, they can't even go to work yeah. that whole week. Yep. They can't that travel. They can't do anything. Yeah, that was me. They cannot do, like, block the calendar, like, feel it red because we're yeah. like, we can't do anything. Yeah. We can get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I know another person that has to take, um, she's on, um, transfusion blood transfusion mm. she's severely anemic from the blood loss oh during her period she's on she, she can't even use a lot of contraceptives because they kind of make her bleed more which you know defeats the purpose, defeats the purpose mm-hmm. of you know stopping her from bleeding mm-hmm. so now she she's even falling down several times in the shower she's severely That's her hemoglobin levels are severely low it's even worse for her levels are lower than someone that is, that is undergoing cancer treatment oh my god it is that bad so she has to be on blood transfusion regularly. Oh my god! Just from having a period, and no bed control pills help stop the period because they make her bleed more. So it's like, what? What's the, what's the option? These are some of the issues we go through as women. So let's talk about just the infertility bit of it. I think, um, for me, when I turned thirty-five, before I turned thirty-five, there was a lot of anxiety around that thirty-five. I'd seen it coming. And it represented so many things for me. It was going to be the 20th anniversary of all of my exposure to these fertility issues, ovarian cysts, and all of the things. You know, IVF, I started that at 25. And then moreover, it was also that age around in medicine where there's a picture that kind of stays in my head where you see your eggs and then they start doing a cliff dive off, off into the abyss at 35. Like, there's that chart that your eggs are like that and then pew, they go down at 35. So there's a lot of pressure with turning 35 because it was like, oh, let's just keep trying. Maybe this time we're going to have it because after 35, your eggs are not quite good. And it stayed with me for a while. It bothered me for a while. And I know even if you were to get pregnant at 35, you're considered geriatric pregnancy because it's, you know, there's such a sh- short window. And so my goal for launching this um, initiative was to give some form of hope, because I know for some women, their issues are easily resolved by, and I use that word carefully, maybe a surgery mm-hmm. or um, getting on fertility treatments. They might not be quite mm-hmm. as complicated as our stories. And if mm-hmm. if that's holding mm-hmm. them, then let's see how we can help. Mm-hmm. Because time and money, I can always buy, I can always help with money. You know, money mm-hmm. is something that we can always help around, but time is something you cannot get back. And so, if, if it's mm-hmm. even to help some women just redeem those lost time by yeah. making them get their outcome, this is my mm-hmm. goal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's too late for people like me, but I like mm-hmm. I remember when I was still starting out with all this fertility treatment, I was very limited as to what I could do because I didn't have a lot of options, financial options to pursue additional treatments. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, even with insurance, there's only so much you can do. If you don't have, you still have to mm-hmm. pay your copy and mm-hmm. your co-insurance and whatnot. So that's the mm-hmm. idea behind the Hopeful 35 I want to, you know, have a way to kind of help women who might be needing mm-hmm. this fertility treatment or surgery and also provide a form of community to let them know, hey, you're not alone. You might have been discarded by the medical, you know, society and all that, but you're not alone. I feel your struggles. So I'm just curious to know what was it very, very, because I, I reached out to you and you didn't even say no. You were like, yes, let's do it. So thank you, by the way, for agreeing to be on board. Quickly, why was it very important for you to be a part of this project? Hmm. Um, so I, 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 I said this, 
I say that experience is something that should be added to the SGDs. <laughs> Sustainable development goals. <laughs> Sustainable development yeah. goals. Because I feel like there's a lot of wastage of experiences. And I, I believe very strongly that experiences are things that can help a lot of people go past an ex, you know, situations that they are going through. And I, I call it the wastage of experiences. Uh, I know that they say that experience is the best teacher. Now, the question is, do you have to be the one who has had that experience or could you learn from someone else's experience? And so I'm intentional about sharing my experiences. And this is one of the areas that, again, you and I, if I go to YouTube now, let's see how many women of color, number one, or of Nigerian descent who are sharing their stories. Mm. A lot of the people that I have seen or the few people that I have seen share their stories are like celebrities. Yeah, which uh, it helps, but, you know. It does. Yeah, it's like a friend right? than ours, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so that's part of the reason why it was important for me to share. Um, and I recently sort of shared a little bit of my story at work mm-hmm. too. I found that number one, it was it was liberating for me. Number two, I got some validation in terms of people coming up to you. Oh my God, that's something that I'm dealing with. But you know, not having that confidence. Oh my God, what is endometriosis? I never heard that before. Thank you for enlightening me about it. You know, and oh, I didn't know you were dealing with that. You're a strong person. You know, again, you know, it was even crazy that there was somebody who, um, there was somebody who had a very similar experience to myself at work, and also was using the doctor that I eventually found, who was like my angel on this journey. Um, again, um, and. That person walking up to me was like, hey, if this is the only thing that I gained from sharing this, I think it was worth it. Now, part of the things that I've learned is, again, like you said, time. Um, We don't know. Many of us are not aware or many people are not aware of what happens in the body. Especially when it comes to the decline of your ALH. The anti-malarian hormone, which is like... Your uh, measure. Well, I hate that number because it was it was, <laughs> it was brought to me late, and I, I was never thought I was never thought that yes. in school. You know, I was never thought hmm. about that in school. Can you imagine? Yeah. I never knew about AMH until my doctor told me about that many a few years ago. You know, so wow. it's an anti-malarial yeah, hormone, I, and this is a hormone that is. Pro- I'm sorry, let me just explain. Produced by your ovarian follicles, right? Which yes. is where they keep the immature eggs. It's also a biomarker. Um, to assist in the, the number and also the quality of your remaining eggs. Apparently, the moment you are born, you have the most number of eggs you would have. And as you're growing through your menstrual cycle, shedding that endometrial layer, it's the number decreases as you're getting older. And they have like, is age specific. So between this age and this age, your value should be this particular level. And they test it by a blood test. You know, it helps to know. Um, for men that have like endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. They might have um, diminished levels, but it doesn't always correlate to fertility outcomes. Funny enough, I've seen people mm-hmm. that have like zero, not like zero, but really poor AMH still get pregnant. So it's not always mm-hmm. like, you know, directly correlational, but it's a good way to get your conversations going. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I in my case I had low AMH and by the time they checked the eggs, I <laughs> go. When they checked the eggs and you know, here we were, okay, well, let's do this whole IVF thing. We had in fact in our case we had only one option. We couldn't even do IUI or anything else. It was straight up IVF because of all of the layers and the complications and all of that. Nobody and here we were in a world class, and I mean world you, class. I don't want you, to. Please, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Think about me. Think about me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the, and you, again, I, I I mentioned this when I was sharing our work, and I said the reason why I was mentioning Mayo Clinic was because it was a saving grace for me, and I would like people to explore it if you have that access. Explore Mayo Clinic. They are great when it comes to like the issue of endometriosis, yeah. all of those complications and crazy things. Yeah. When you hear Mayo Clinic, the first thing that comes to your mind is yeah. cancer. No, they are bigger than yeah. that. Um, that. And that was the thing. When I got led to Mayo Clinic, it was out of my research. And at this time, I was frustrated looking for where I could go in the U.S. I, at this time, I was ready to go anywhere in the U.S. to find yeah. help. So I went to Google, researched where, where is the best hospital for endometriosis. Lo and behold, the top on the list was Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic was in my backyard, quote and unquote. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't Lucky. know that. Anyway, I, I live in Oklahoma. <laughs> where are options? The only one in town. <laughs> Carl, you gotta wait six months to get into your books. And of course, it did take time for me to be able to get in. But here we were, you know, moving up to, hey, okay, we have done our excision surgery and all of that. I'd gone through that that major surgery that I spent like nine hours in the OR um, from a surgery that was speculated to be like three hours we ended up spending like um, nine hours in the OR. Uh, I remember my surgeon saying, girl, you wanted to break my back. But I was also thankful to my surgeon and that team for sticking and doing what they could yeah. do because what they found was really crazy. And then, okay, here we were at this point. We're like, okay, let's move forward with IVF treatment. Then you get there, they're like, oh, you have low AMH. And guess what? When they scanned for your eggs, the girl, your personal person, had only one egg. (laughs) Sis, I didn't know if I should cry or what to do. And this is with stimulation stimulation, because you're stimulating, you're pumped full of hormones. Out of all of that scraping and pumping you like, you know, a cow on the field, just one egg. Yes, yes. And my, thank God for my husband. He, God let him say something to me that day that didn't make me go crazy. He said, hey, it may be one egg or 10 eggs or how many number of eggs that they needed. You can get pregnant regardless. And that calmed me down because to be honest, you know, you know how, you know, the assessment was, okay, there's only one egg you can see, we'll we try. 
in this your case at this time they started giving you option of um, yeah. donor donor options surrogacy and all of that and you're like god why is my own case Different. like yeah. this so lessons learned is the value of time mm-hmm. seeking help yeah. um what and again paying attention to your body You know, I've said earlier, you have to be your own advocate, especially in this system that we are in. When I watched Below the Belt, it was something that was very common. People had to advocate for themselves. It's crazy how there are people who had to see like 10 different physicians before they could even get a clue to what was going on with them. We have to advocate for ourselves. We have to listen to our bodies, pay attention, not there's some things that are not normal. Being heavily It's not normal. Like you have to be bent over double that you are useless and you can't do anything due to pain from your period is not mm-hmm. normal. You have to pay attention to that. Once you do, then seek help. When you seek help, get those layer of of um of, of options look at your options look at okay you know get validation from different sources yeah. is my point join community, there. yeah join a community of people who are going through that to see what will help you because there's so well. many things that doctors will throw at you i've heard about different kind of procedures but then you start reading through the procedures you realize that it's no better than drinking um drinking water you know yeah. because and yeah. then you, guess what you're paying out of that and then your time is going you know yeah 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 and and part of why i was i also wanted to share see the financial side of things is also not funny you know it's huge it's huge and so the sooner you're able to like get yourself together get empowered by other people's experiences and knowledge the better for you you right yes 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 and then you know finally is see this one is big and it may be controversial. It's an unpopular opinion, which is people of faith like mm. us. In in my own case, especially was, you know, I kept leaning on the promises of God. God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. But I've also learned that God is also interested in certain things. That's why he gave wisdom to the doctors. Mm. That's why he put them there. And we see a lot of iterations coming to the development in the medical world. You know, certain things are changing. Thankfully, even now, the surgeries are not as crazy as they were, you know, several years ago. Now, you, yes, you will still have scars, but maybe just pokes here and there. Yeah that they will need to yeah. do on your on your abdomen to be able to get in because the instruments are smaller now. Um, so there was that place of stretching in the place of faith, mm. right, as a Christian versus, hey, maybe in those periods too, I could have also been seeking medical help when it came to like the issue of conception versus... You know, waiting to exactly us reaching that point where they're like, Well, at this point in time, there's only one egg. Yeah. Well, you know, 
that was another that's another challenging thing and that's something that i know that not many people will admit or many people will speak to is that yes you seeking medical help does not make you less it doesn't also shake your yes correct exactly at the end of the day you still even need to trust god to make that process happen i've had ivf treatment and i know how many cycles failed you know hello <laughs> please so it's not even you it's not about the treatment in itself it's just god empowering the whole thing and making it work for you and take it easy on yourself i remember one day um this one is it, it was something very interesting about you know the external factors the external pressure I had gone to church for a choir practice. Sis, as you know, with endometriosis, you get inflamed. And I was looking like a three-month-old <laughs> pregnancy. Oh, well, congrats on your pregnancy. And the belly is real. A, a dear friend said to me, hey, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, when are you? What's your EGD? <sighs> I, said, I, said, I said that, yes, I'm pregnant. That's... My ETT was what did I even tell her? I shall admitted whatever she said because at this point, oh, moment I'm tired, I can't even argue with anybody, you know. Uh, um, and that's another thing, you know, people sending you different resources, you know, hang your leg like this. Maybe it's because you're not trying, people are trying. Can we stop? Yeah, yeah. before you offer somebody help, Just ask how they're doing simple. Trust me, they've heard it before. Yeah. Your potions and your prayers and your positions, all the peas, they've heard it before. Yeah. We know. We've yeah. heard it. We've seen it. We've done yeah. everything. Welcome, lack of crying. I mean, hello. Yeah. Do you, you don't know. Okay. For instance, for people like us who even who, who, who our system, our reproductive system was toxic for anything to live in. And we didn't, did, we didn't know, it, this thing is not like, okay, you open something and you find out that, oh my God, this plate is dirty or something. No, it's your inside, it's your reproductive system. Complex. It was toxic for anything living to Just survive yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It was. And I remember when I finally got to me, my doctor said to me, girl, I know you don't want to hear this, but you do need to have another period. And here is it. If we deceive you and said, okay, oh, let's just go straight into IVF. That place right now, if you even if you conceive, uh, yeah. that thing will not because leave. Because the fluid and all of die. the, yeah, yeah. It's just in, inhabitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like your yes. body's working yes. against you. You know, because the, the exactly. fluid, the wetness shouldn't be anywhere near your uterus. And as it's right. entering, it's, it's just gonna, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so there's that. And so we need to be sensitive to people before we offer suggestions, before, again, like, like, like Mo said, there's some of us, you, let me tell you, you talked about you feeling pressured by year oh. 10, right? Your anniversary. Oh. Sis, my pressure is by, you know, you know, people do this crazy thing, especially in the Nigerian community, but I think by March or so, they start telling you, oh, they start posting things like, oh, if you don't get pregnant by so you cannot get pregnant again. Oh, like the end of the year, in, the nine months. In that yeah, current yeah. year. Oh. 
But first of all, where the hope starts is January 1. Your hope is like, God, I trust you. This is the year. Cosini, all the prophecy and everything, all the word. All, I mean, like you're pumped up with hope and faith and everything. You're ready to go. What's, we're gonna, it's going to happen this year. But that was you in January. By March, you're like, okay, all right. Special day of the year, favorite day of the year, Mother's Day. <laughs> and then me, I noticed another pressure point for me was September. I don't know where that came from, but by September, maybe again, what's associated with it is the month of pregnancy. You are going to deliver. In fact, this year, I had to, as I was as we were approaching September, there was this pressure that was negative that was just coming to me. I did not want to hear anything about September. I did not want to hear any faith declaration about, you know, this is your month. Just leave me alone. No, let's be going now. I go. So there is internal pressure as well that some of us may not even identify on time. And when we do, we're still looking for how to get out yeah. of it, yeah. right? How can we cope? How can I still love September regardless of what it or is? Or whatever the month might be for you, yeah, yeah. Or whatever the month might be for yeah. you. So people are dealing with a lot. Before you come and start saying whatever to them, trust me, they've been there before you many times more yeah. than you could think yeah. of. And so the sensitivity is one of the things that people going through this interesting journey or this unique journey need um, from us as as humans. I mean, even as somebody that is going through this, I just don't don't pick up on more and start having conversations because I don't know what's going to trigger Or when uh, when her fragile period is, yeah, and I'm always more careful around you too. I'm I'm more careful too. I try with those that are going through it. And how I approach, I always try to preface, like, this is okay. Exactly. Even when I'm talking about myself, knowing that there's no way I can talk about myself without it reflecting on you, you know. As yeah. you know, you know, I had something happen recently to me, and even reaching out to you about that, I had to preface, like, I don't, you should, you're like, it's okay, I can handle it, just let me know what's going on. It, that's the kind of yeah. sensitivity we're asking about. We're not saying we, you, we shouldn't talk about it, but kind of, exactly. ask, hey, you know, is it Feel okay to bring it up? Read the room. Yes. Read the room. Yes, the room. Yes. And and and, room. and don't call me and advice and solicitations. Exactly. Don't call me advice. We don't need that. We need empathy, not strategy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. <sighs> yes. And let people rant. You know, sometimes people just want to rant, and it's okay. We don't have to offer even to right? but we don't, we, okay. The solution doesn't lie in what you would tell us. You know. Exactly. Just listening, just listening without saying, "Oh, my friend, I know somebody that drank this tea and it worked for them." Ah, that's the I know somebody. That I know somebody. Ah, you know what? This person that I know, and they were trying, trying, and it's okay. Some of, some of, some of us might never, might never, might never be like that person that you know. We know that it's from a place of love, but it does more harm than good because what you're trying to say is that you haven't tried enough. How about try this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? This has yeah. been quite a, a lovely you know, time chatting with you. And I just want to say thank mm-hmm. you. I know that we're going to make a lot of impact with you and then the other three people on the board. This project means a lot to me. 
it's it's the funniest thing. This is this couldn't have not been the wrongest time in my life to do anything like this. It hits close to home, mm-hmm. and in, mm-hmm. even in my current fragile state. But I'm like, you know what? If this is something, this is my when you talked about purpose. If this is it, even though it feels a lot of time shameful talking about this, people yep. saying they are still stuck mm-hmm. in it. But if mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out of because but I've grown a lot through it. Maybe the growth I've experienced mm-hmm. is why I'm still reaching out to see how can we be of service, you know? Because at the core of it, I know mm-hmm. that one of my callings is to serve others using my gifts. So with this project mm-hmm. of the Hopeful Thirty Five, I hope it's to raise ten thousand um, dollars um, over the course of six months to help women get access, especially those that are thirty five and above get access to fertility yeah. treatments, also provide a community where they can feel heard and, you know, connected. And they don't know that they are not alone. So as we close this episode, I just want to remind, you know, those that are listening, whether you're a friend to someone like that or a spouse, or you are, you know, part of this demographic, remember that every journey is unique and there's hope. And I say that as someone that is still on that journey. I'm still very hopeful. Mm-hmm. There's hope, there's support, and there's a world of possibilities for those navigating the path of parenthood. Um, over the next episode, we'll, we'll share different stories of those that came into motherhood and on those that are still yet to come into motherhood. But the core of it is, you know, the fertility struggles that they went through. And for some of you that might be listening, your path might not be the way you painted it. But guess what? There's grace. There's so much grace. It mm-hmm. might not be how you wanted it to be. Because this is something I don't wish on my worst enemy. But I can't take it. I can't take it from my delight. I can't discount it from my life story. Because I've I've experienced a lot of joy as well. I've experienced a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. If not for what I've gone through, I won't have met people like Tokwe. I won't have met, you know, people like my daughter happening to me was one of the greatest things that have come out of this journey. All that said, there's hope. I don't know how your story is going to end, but stick to it. Trust the process. And if you have faith, lean on your community, lean on your on, on your, um, your your deity, whatever it is you ascribe to. But I just want to leave you with that message of hope. And thank you so much, Tokwe, for coming on today. I know I'm going to have to bring you back because I know we've barely scratched the surface on your story because you're so rich in stories. But um, for the sake of time, we can just end it here. But I want to say thank you so much for being so open. And you're, you're kind of very private about these things, you know, as you should be. But thank you because you didn't hold anything back. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mo, for having me. I hope that my story helps one person. There is the power of yeah. one. And I'm hoping that at least it makes sense and it helps just one person that that's that's gonna be fulfilling. Are you kidding me? It helped me. It helped me. It's why I'm here. Like it's the reason why I'm here. So at least you've had you've had that power of one, you know, and imagine that one and what it's doing, you know. Trust me, your story is very impactful. So on behalf of everybody, thank you so much for being a sister and then also for being on the board of this project. And I cannot wait for us to do magic together. It's such it's so gonna be fun working with you. And please send my address to your husband, and I'll see you on the other side of the WhatsApp, on the street of the WhatsApp. <laughs> Thank you, girl. Love you, sis. Thank you so much. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye. <sighs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining um, this episode of the Monsable Podcast. There's still going to be more we're talking about when it comes to fertility options, but we hope this episode was very helpful to you. If you love this, let us know if there are additional topics you'd like for us to consider as well. I'm just going to um, end by adding um, to the recommendations. So she talked about the movie Below the Belt. I also like to recommend two books. Um, one is Ask Me About My Uterus by Abby Norman. That's a very good book. And then the other one is The Doctor Will See You Now, Recognizing and Treating Endometriosis. It's by Tama Second. Um, I love those two books. I, I've read them 
couple of times and I've also recommended them to a lot of sisters and people who are you know suffering from endometriosis. So you can pick those books as resources to help you. As always, I'm your host, Osibo. Thank you for tuning in today and love you guys. Bye.